0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the EPM Show. This is all things enterprise performance management, and we're here to give you an unfair career advantage. Today, we welcome Nick Bermudez to the podcast. He is the Anaplan practice lead at Embark Consulting. He's spent the bulk of his career in the Anaplan ecosystem, and he joins us today to talk a little bit about what separates an established solution architect from a certified master Anaplaner and how they're approaching building a practice at Embark, and the unique approach to finance transformation that they take with mid-enterprise clients, that's really their sweet spot. And so it was really good to get his perspective on Ana and just the differences in those conversations versus Fortune 500 type clients. And some of his keys to success for building a great career in enterprise performance management. I'll give you a hint, it starts with curiosity and learning by doing. I hope you enjoy this podcast and get a ton of value out of it. Check it out. Nick, I'm going to get us started, hit you with our patented question. Give me your career flyover in 60 seconds or less whenever you're ready.
1: All right. You're going to have to cut me off here. I'll try to do it in 60 seconds. But So
0: after graduating,
1: I took a job with the Beam Consulting doing ERP implementations right out of school. So I was doing the financial accounting and managerial accounting modules in SAP. Did that for almost two years and realized that uh, SAP was just a little bit bigger of a technology platform that I, that I think I was ready for. So made the switch over to Anaplan two years in with a small boutique firm called Akili. Was doing some work there and you know had the opportunity to go join Deloitte's Anaplan practice and spent a good amount of time doing large enterprise level transformation projects with Deloitte. After being there for around three years, made the switch to EUI. And Soon after that, jumped over to Embark and have been here, you know, building out the AnaPlan practice. Kind of wearing many different hats over here at this firm, but really trying to grow the practice as as quickly and as efficiently as we can, and bring good people along for the ride.
0: I love it. We're going to dive a little bit more into that later on in the show, but man, career consultant. You've done your rounds boutique, big four, and now you're at, you're at a really fast growing consulting firm that is quickly becoming one of the top players in the industry. So just love that you can bring that perspective. We always like to ask a fun question so the audience can get to know you a little bit better, Nick. Um, so my fun question for you is give me your dream vacation and why. Dream vacation. If it's just me, I'm picking just some
1: resort golf mecca where you you just have full access to golf i'm trying to think maybe you know i've never done anything myrtle beach i think that would be a pretty sweet one just having all the golf courses there and you have the beach and ocean i think if my wife is coming we may have to change the location a little bit probably something that still has golf involved but i don't think she would allow me to go out and golf every day of the week on vacation for as long as i'd want to so I don't know. I'm trying to think. I, I'm like, we've done some beach ones, and I am I sit on the beach and get bored after like two hours. So it's like I'm not a beach guy. Yeah, so I'm trying to think. I need something with some activities to do to get me out and enjoy the outdoors a little bit. So That's definitely awesome.
0: something, something golf-related. What's the best course you've ever played? Or the best of- course? I think,
1: yeah, the probably the most well-known one, I think, is Torrey Pine Salad. You know, I grew up in Northern California, and my sister lives in San Diego, and I have a few buddies that live down there too. So, whenever we go out there, we try to do it. I live here in Phoenix now, so we've done Greyhawk, which hosts the NCAA collegiate golf championships here every year, and that's a fun track. Shout out to Mesa Country Club out there; that's also a fun one that I I play quite pretty frequently. But man, there's so many fun courses. I don't I don't know which one's my favorite. It's just fun getting out there with a good group of guys and and having a good time for four hours.
0: That's right. Is the, is the waste management even open out there in Phoenix? What is it is. Place?
1: Yeah. So that's, it's up the TPC Scottsdale course, kind of in North okay. Scottsdale.
0: Okay. And right
1: now they're, they're getting ready. It's called the Schwab cup, but it's basically the, the, the championship for the senior Jordan. So all the old guys are coming out here, playing the final tournament of the year at Phoenix country club.
0: That's, that's cool. That's this weekend. As a golf guy, I'm kind of surprised you wouldn't say dream vacation was like old course in St. Andrews or something like that. You know, and it, it should have been. I haven't done list. any
1: golf overseas. Yeah. My buddy actually just did a trip out there with like his family and family friends. And so he had a big crew go out there and do that for Scotland. And he said it was pretty awesome. So I don't know. It's just, that, that's a tough one to sell, I think, to the wife. Let's go to Scotland in the rain and cold for two leagues.
0: Yeah, that's a that's probably a guy's trip. That's one you'd have to probably check <laughs> that one out yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. So Nick, like, like you mentioned in your kind of in your career flyover, career consultant, started out in SAP, ended up going into Anaplan about two years in, and you've made the progression up from model builder to solution architect to master Anaplaner. So just take me through that journey a little bit and, you know, why you wanted to become a master Anaplaner and what you feel like the biggest difference is between a master Anaplaner and say, you know, an established solution architect.
1: I guess when I first started within Anaplan, it was just learning a new technology. There was not really any aspirations to like, take it as far as I did. It was just, Hey, let's, let's kind of check this out and see what it is. And when you're in there, once you finally get through L1 and L2, and you're like on your first project and you start understanding what the tool can do, it's really just about being creative and coming up with solutions that work that are more efficient than what clients had before. And the more you click around in the platform, the more you start to figure out what certain things do and how to do them better ways than others. And so, you know, I think the longer I just naturally stayed in there and continued, you know, being staffable on projects and you do it long enough and you become pretty good at it. And at a certain point, like, I think it's time for me to at least go get credentialized in doing this. I think I'm ready and, and prepared to go and do it. And so I became a master Anna Planner before there was the solution architect sort of credential in there in between your model builder and master Anna Planner. And so for me, it was, I was early on, I guess, in that master Anna Planner program, I guess looking at the key differences as an implementer, I think solution architect and master Anna Planner have a very similar role. I think there's a lot of overlap just in what you're doing day to day for clients, but within an organization, I think, right, the solution architect is much more. Getting requirements, translating those into like the technical steps needed to like actually go and execute, and then designing out the solution. I think from the master and a planner point of view, it's a little bit more than that. It's it's kind of working with the COE, putting the right framework in place to like take in new requests, I guess, from the business. Training new people that are going to be on your team to support the platform. I just think it's a lot more encompassing of the overall program versus a solution architect is very much in the weeds and designing the Anaplan model itself.
0: That makes sense. As you were talking, what I was kind of hearing and, and thinking about was how as a solution architect, you are a subject matter expert, a very high level individual contributor, whereas that master planner, I'll call it mentality or mindset, because technically, like you said, there's a lot of overlap is more about leadership and how do I reproduce? myself in this COE through, like you said, training, leadership, development, coaching. And so it's more, it's more impact by multiplication rather than just let me get in here and put my fingers on a keyboard and do the work and give direction that's more technical in nature. It's more about the leadership and the people development as a master and a planner. Is that, is that a fair assessment of kind of what you're saying?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that summarizes it pretty good. And then just, you know, expanding on it too. It's, it's kind of just defining the whole roadmap for the program. I guess, you know, I I think you can, there are so many different avenues you can go from, Hey, we're going to do, we're implementing a planning, a new planning calendar. And we're trying to condense time. And my job is to communicate that out to the business, right? I think that would be one aspect of like the master planner or product owner, or it could be, Hey, the new workflow just came out. It's pretty awesome. Let's maybe stop our existing workflow process that we have and explore potentially bringing on this new workflow capability that Anaplan just rolled out. And so like staying on top of like some of the new product releases too and making sure you're really getting the most, I think, out of the Anaplan platform for your organization is what the the real goal of the Mastering Anaplan would be.
0: That makes a ton of sense. So you've moved over to Embark. Y'all are spinning up what's going to, I think, going to be a, a really incredible a plan practice within the ecosystem, just giving, given Embark's track record and the and the talent that you have at the organization. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what you've learned and how building a practice from kind of the ground up has helped you elevate your thinking and elevate your career.
1: Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to be see. at a lot of other consulting firms. So like I've been able to see sort of, good ways and in, in sort of how other leaders have gone about building a practice, which has been, which is, has made it a little bit easier for me. I think I don't want to say this is at all an easy task to go and spin up a practice. You know, I've never really been one of one guy and been asked to go and build this thing out. So it's been, it's been a fun challenge. I've I've been fortunate enough to have a really strong and awesome and supporting team around me that give me Pretty much whatever I need to go and do this the way that I think we should. They have all the support for me that I need to go and, and build this thing out. You know, obviously I think anyone in the Anaplan ecosystem knows just talent is obviously a challenge. So we've been really, we, we have a strong core team of consultants at Embark already. So we've done a little bit of cross training and trying to get a lot of the, the people who have maybe some modeling and other fp a tools up to speed on Anaplan. And then we've also gone out and had to hire externally, obviously to, to, to build that team out, but it's been fun, man. We're, we're, we're when it's at this early stage, you kind of wear many different hats and just getting all this done. You're the recruiter. You are the, you know, solution architect on projects. You are out there trying to, to create processes and everything internally. You're trying to get demo models in good enough spots to go and actually help support the sales. You know, motions that are in front. So it's, it's been a lot, but it's been, it's been a, a good experience for me so far.
0: That's great. I I've, I've seen this in my own career journey, but it is, it's a really unique experience when you get put into an environment where you get to wear all the hats. And I say, get to wear all the hats because some people don't want to do that, but it forces you to get a little bit uncomfortable. Cause I'm sure there are areas where this isn't a strong suit for me, but I have to go and do it because. I'm leading and growing this practice. Obviously, as you grow and scale, you'll want to hire experts who are better than you at some of those functions. But it's forcing you to be really creative. How has that helped you in your development? Kind of maybe getting out into your, getting out of your comfort zone in certain areas, and and really being, being more like an entrepreneur or starting something from the ground up. You're within a bigger organization, but you are that first person in having to wear all the hats like a like a business owner would.
1: Yeah, you know it's been it's been a huge learning you know experience for me, and I think what's made this a a little bit smoother of a transition has been uh, we've started many technology practices, I guess, around the same time as our Anna Plan one, and so it's been really nice to have guys like uh, John Warner, who's our Netsuite leader. We have Sarah Keefer, Adam Bart, who's worked Kiva. and so it's just been it's been good to bounce some ideas off them. Some of them, a lot of these practices are at different maturity levels, so you know, kind of getting to 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 use them as soundboards to say, hey, when you were growing at, at or starting this out, what were things that you ran into that you maybe would have done differently, or what worked well, what didn't, and so having having those leaders to to kind of bounce ideas off of and make sure we're not repeating some of the same mistakes has been good. In terms of just like getting out there and getting comfortable. I remember my first day at Embark orientation day one, don't even have laptops yet, but you know, Anaplan implementer, very rarely are you like in the spotlight doing a podcast or whatever, right? And so a big four, didn't really have that experience. Maybe you're running a booth at like an Anaplan Connect or or one of the conferences. And so first day, Bill, Billy Lee, uh, guest on the EPN podcast before, they, we go and do a, just a a it it wasn't a podcast, what he called press release, but it was just camera in your face, light on, go and talk and explain and pump everybody up about the plant partnership that we're launching here at Embark consulting and for me, it was the most awkward I felt in a long time, not really prepared for it, but just light on you, camera in your face. this is so much easier having a conversation and dialogue versus just ready action, and somebody is just there staring at you, waiting for you to record, and so that to me was the most uncomfortable I've been in a long time, but I think going through those makes stuff like this a lot easier. You know, I had a chance to be on the business change forum podcast with Billy, a uh, chance with you right here. I'm sure there'll be more opportunities down the line to do some of this stuff too, but, uh, to me, this side of this side of being the practice leader, I think has been the most, just the most uncomfortable for me as I've transitioned sort of into this role.
0: A, a good friend uh, of mine shared a thought that I think applies to what you were saying. He said, when you take risks and you get uncomfortable, because a lot of people index in their life and their career for comfortability, but when you get uncomfortable and you take risks, your senses are heightened, your creative thinking increases, and your goals are clarified. And that just really stuck with me. And so I imagine that's a little bit of what you're feeling. You get thrust into some of those uncomfortable situations and it forces your senses to, To be heightened to be more engaged and but at the end of the day it makes us more effective as leaders as as builders as professionals so that's awesome so nick obviously we look at the marketplace the economy things are changing it's a different environment in 2023 than it was maybe in you know first half of 22 21. I'm curious, what as you're building the practice, what what trends are you seeing in the marketplace as it relates to customers and what they're looking for? Yeah, for sure. And Embark's core customer base is mid-enterprise level. So, you know, I
1: think you know, where I came from at Deloitte in UI, it was much more of the Fortune 500 companies. And so they kind of had, I yes, processes, the technology in place to kind of manage some of it. So a lot of the times at, at the big four, it was more moving from one technology to another, I think in this mid enterprise realm, I've been having tons of conversations just with organizations around, hey, we are outgrowing our Excel model and we have had big growth over the last couple of years and we were fine in Excel when we first started this and we just went through our budgeting cycle, you know, a year ago and it was painful and we never want to do it again. And so we're looking at tools and I probably had uh, close to 10 conversations in the last month, just around mid enterprise organizations who are trying to get off of Excel and also have better, I guess, just organization around their data. So it's been a lot of discussions around data warehouses and then a planning tool such as Anaplan to help facilitate that planning process to get them out of the Excel hell that they were experiencing in their previous budgeting cycles.
0: Excel Health. I'm gonna keep that one. I'm gonna keep that one. I wanna, I wanna hone in on mid enterprise right now because as I think about AnaPlan, I, I, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems like it's a tool that has historically been geared a little bit more towards the large enterprise, the Fortune 500. How does the, how does the transformation process differ at all, or the needs differ when you get into mid enterprise versus? Fortune 500? Like what's the biggest differences you see from the clients you worked with at EY or Deloitte and, and, and who you're working with now?
1: Yeah, I, I think the processes and everything are pretty similar in terms of like, hey, what does an implementation look like and all of that? I think the challenges, what I see is just the maturity levels are so much different, right? I think in the mid enterprise level, it's like, hey, we're just now starting to, to like get an FP&A organization in place. And, you know, right now it's been a couple guys working on these Excel models and we're trying to to connect the dots and get the information so that people can go and make the decisions needed. And, and so I think, it, you know, from an implementation standpoint, not much different from a what's needed standpoint. The, the key difference for me has been just, hey, I'm going, I need a tool in place so I can have some guide rails and get off of just this version issue and sharing collaboration sort of pain. where at the enterprise level, it was, we already had something. We weren't necessarily all that excited about it, or we realized Anaplan can give us greater efficiencies capabilities by moving to this tool over, you know, the other tool we were on. And so to me, that's been the key change is, is the, the conversations are a little different in where you're moving from instead of, conversations are different and I'm trying to move away from a process that's broken and un, un, unscalable versus I'm trying to just move off of a platform that's not giving me what I need out of it to a platform that I think can.
0: Got it. That makes sense. So at that Fortune 500 large enterprise level, they they have a process, they have a platform in place and they're they're changing and transitioning. Whereas in the mid enterprise, they, they realize they have something that They have a process that is not sustainable and they don't have a platform so they're you're building more from scratch more from the ground up so that makes me think that you spend a lot more time on helping them build a good foundation that is sustainable over the long haul like you said data warehousing things like that maybe it's more of the more of the basic functions is that fair
1: yeah, for sure. And a lot of the times to start, it's just a lift and shift of their Excel spreadsheet, right? And just hey, let's 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 get this online somewhere. And then after that, it's okay. Phase two, phase three, phase four is now building on top of that and really exploring the other capabilities that we've never had before, but that this platform will allow us to get to.
0: That just sounds really exciting because there's so much there's so much newness there for a mid enterprise company that is all of a sudden unlocking. New levels of capabilities and ways they can look at their data and make entirely different decisions and make them faster. is that something that you enjoy like do you do you sense that excitement from the client in a lot of instances? Yeah, I
1: mean, just tapping into some of my previous experiences, you know from big four, right? It's like, oh, well, we've done x, y, and z for a client, and here are some of the things we've done and in a lot of the mid enterprise conversations it's we we're not we haven't even thought about that that's really cool and we'd love to get there but we're still we're still in training wheels phase man like just help us help us get help us get out of this and onto something and then once we're comfortable on this new platform help us figure out how we can get the most out of it and so you can you can see once an or once a mid enterprise organization i think realizes what the tools capabilities are like the, the, the full Force of the tools' capabilities—not just—it's a nice fp a tool. I think that's where they start to realize that there's a there's a lot that they can put into the platform that they didn't originally
0: anticipate. That makes sense. Talk to me a little bit more too about just maybe as you've been in the you've been in the ecosystem for for what seven eight years now?
1: Yeah, something like that. It feels like much longer, but yeah, some something along those lines.
0: Mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about maybe how you've seen the demand in the mid-enterprise shift is it is it an increasing demand is it staying the same do you think it's always been there just how has that evolved over time in your opinion
1: yeah i just think you know the evolution of it it has, you know obviously the enterprise customers were had the budget and appetite to take this on and the resources to do it and i think what I'm seeing now more on the enterprise level is it's like an, a necessity you know we we can't sustain it like this anymore. we need to move on to something and so Anaplan is always in the conversation. Anaplan is obviously one of the more expensive tools out there to go and get, but I think when they realize all the potential opportunities and use cases of the tool, that's really where the value of it comes in. I think at this mid enterprise level is is you know, we have a bunch of spreadsheets for a bunch of different planning processes. I could take all of them away and leave everything into Plan and have one platform to manage all of it instead of kind of going with some of these other point solutions um, and having to integrate all the data across all of those.
0: Uh, I mean, that makes sense, right? It's 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 being able to plan more effectively in a in a highly dynamic business environment, which is only changing, by the way, faster and faster and faster. We talked about that in a in a recent episode with Robert O'Donohue from LinkedIn, he's a COE lead over there. And that's one of the things that they're keenly focused on on the customer side, too, is getting more comfortable making decisions with, call it 65, 70% of the information. And Anaplan can help you get to you know that critical level of, I've got you know enough information to make a decision because in the world we live in today. If you wait to have 100% of the information you need to make a decision, you've probably waited too long. So I can imagine that's a driver for a lot of these mid-enterprise clients to say, we need to be able to get the information we need faster to make more decisions because the way we do business is changing so rapidly.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think everybody wants those insights as quickly as they can, right? And then having all the tools and having the tools in place to go and get it, right? Just we're dealing with some clients, multiple ERPs, didn't have a data warehouse to like collect it all and make sense of the information. And so step one was just, Hey, let's get, let's give you a spot to actually go and tap into your data and have all the information available. And then the next piece, we'll figure out how we can efficiently plan and then efficiently report off of that too. So you're getting the insights you need and it's a complete data picture and it doesn't take, you know, several weeks to go and get that information. It's something that can be easily uh, accessible to you in the matter of Hours, days, minutes, whatever, whatever the the run through of data takes.
0: Nick, th- this has been a ton of fun. I love hearing your journey and how and what y'all are doing at Embark, building a practice, and the focus on mid enterprise clients. I think that's going to be a continued uh, trend, and it's going to be a continued focus in the ecosystem as a whole. I know y'all are uniquely positioned to capitalize in that space. I'll get you out of here on on two standard questions. The first one, you know, you've been in the ecosystem for, for a while now. You've seen it change. You've seen it grow. And I'm sure you can get a picture for where you think it's headed next. But what advice would you have for someone who is early in their career in the EPM industry and in the plant ecosystem? What would your encouragement or advice to them be?
1: Yeah. Yes. Just when you're in it, just be curious, right? I think that's kind of how I learn the most is you're in there poking around, you break things on accident and trying to fix them and asking the people around you, you know, Hey, have you run into this issue before? How do you solve for this? Or what, what's the best way to approach this problem in the tool? So to me, just being genuinely curious and, and, and being in the tool as often as you can really helps your, your just knowledge curve and understanding of the platform a lot. I think, What's been a big help for me is, and, and you can go either way with this, but I think what, what really helped me was I was thrown into like several different use cases, all the different industries. I got exposure to a lot of different processes, I guess, in, in my eight years of doing Anaplan. And so I think that has been huge for me because you're able to use functions and see different ways things are set up uh, for the different use cases to give you the creative kind of thinking to go, okay, I've seen things done that way in a sales plan use case or territory quota. And it's set up and done a little bit differently in FP&A. And it's a little bit different for supply chain, right? So it's kind of nice for me having all that exposure out there. So I think not being, I am only doing finance or I'm only doing sales. I think being the jack of all trades has really helped my understanding of the tool and what its capabilities are.
0: That's good. I love that. Be curious be curious, see as much as you can and don't be afraid to try things, break things, you'll fix them. I think you learn. We learn so much more by doing versus by just reading about it or even listening to a podcast like this. It's get out there, it's do it, it's try things and you'll continue to learn as you grow. And curiosity is such an incredible career tool. So thank you for that. Last question, Nick, you're, you've been a consulting career consultant, building an plan practice at Embark right now. That's going to be, an incredible thing to watch. Do you have any sort of a a big hairy audacious goal or a b hag that you're going after right now? Could be personal, could be professional. But what what else are you focused on?
1: Man, you know, very early stages of this. But I've been seeing a lot of people just as I'm scrolling through Instagram or whatever. But a lot of friends have like run marathons, and I am in no shape or at any point along in my training uh, to do a marathon. But I think at one point, just being able to say I can do it, I, I feel like I should be athletic enough and in good enough shape to go out and run a full marathon. And so I think that's something over the next year, I'm going to try to, to set in place. I don't know if I'll ever run another one, but I do want to say that in my life, I've completed one marathon.
0: That's pretty sweet. That's a good goal. I've got a lot of buddies who are doing that right now too. We were joking about it and saying, look, running a marathon's easy. All you have to do is put one foot in front of the other until you get done. But that's obviously harder, said than, easier said than done. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah. It sounds pretty simple.
0: Sounds simple. But not when, easy got,
1: there, <laughs> when you got blisters all over your feet and you're about to pass out, it becomes a little bit harder. That's
0: right. That's right. Well, hey, Nick, thanks for being a guest on the show. Thanks for sharing some of your experiences and insights. Excited to see what you guys do building your practice at Embark. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Wherever you're consuming this, if it's YouTube, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed. We have a lot more amazing guests on the way, a lot more great content. We're doing our best to bring you value and have fun while we do it. Uh, We really want this to be a career advantage listening to this show and we want you to enjoy it. So it means a lot. Make sure you're subscribed for what's, what's to come. And also if you're up for it, it would mean a lot. If you leave us a like, a comment, a rating, a review, whatever platform you're on, that really helps. And it gets us fired up when we see those. So I appreciate you guys. Find us on LinkedIn. I'm Blake Bozarth. My co-host Chad Pike with a Y would love to connect with you there. Have an awesome day. See you next time. Peace.